Hello and welcome to Unmuted Unmastered. My name's Will and this is the freakiest music podcast on the internet. Today I'm joined by James. Hello. And Tom. Hello. On the show this week, we're going to be reviewing the new Hot Chip album. We've got the upcoming releases you need to know about, but first let's get into the news. Tom, what have you got for us? In the news this week, uh, Capitol Records has dropped an offensive AI rapper. Um, FM Maker has got in the headlines this week, uh, who is a avatar, a digital artist, which is voiced... Uh, its lyrics are sung by a anonymous black singer, um, and it's gone into a lot of trouble because people have noticed that he uses very derogatory and racist lyrics, including using the N-word multiple times in songs. Um, Capitol Records supposedly signed this artist um, some time ago. I'm not actually sure how long ago it was, um, but it has caused a severe backlash and they have come out uh, today as of august 23rd uh, to sever ties with the rapper um i kind of saw the story and i kind of thought i've got to talk about this it's very very peculiar um on a very very basic level uh, it's very interesting for me that firstly a record would try and sign an ai rapper and then secondly it would then drop an ai rapper in very quick succession and for very, very obvious and good reasons, racial stereotyping is already uh, a bane on popular music. And I'm glad that they've taken action against this. What I find peculiar is the idea of an AI rapper in the first place. Because what is the point of this? What are they trying to accomplish here? FM Mika is a um, avatar. It is this cyborg black male. So it's, I'm literally looking at a picture of him now. It's like green ropey hair. You've got, um, I don't know what you call them. They're almost like skin fades um, on the on his hair, but where you have artwork built into the hair as well. Nose ring, you've got some kind of jaw replacement. So it's meant to be some kind of like, I don't know, digital avatar of some kind or another. I sound so old when I say things like this. So this AI rapper is given voiced by an anonymous black singer who is one of the founders of Factory New, which is an AI company. Their whole purpose, their objective is to create AI artists. That is uh, musicians and rappers and singers who write their own songs, but are of course completely virtual. So their appearance is digital and also all of their lyrics and uh, their voice their vocals are generated by AI, um, which is a bit of a peculiar idea in the first place, I suppose, is the idea of can you apply AI to create art? But even then, it's still a depiction, and it's still a depiction of um, a group that is stereotyped, of a group that is... Um, uh, what's the right term for it? Well, I mean, well, I mean, a group that is racially stereotyped. Let's keep it at that. I find it very interesting that firstly, they want to try and imitate this group. And secondly, the, um, the uh, label would also try and invest in it. I presume it's just trying to you know, catch something before it falls. If it did become a massive success, then Capital have got a stake in it. Um, but also, I think this is the other side of ventures like that. If you invest in something that is brand new, and if you invest in something that is skirting very dangerous boundaries, you might get burned. Um, I think it's a completely right decision that Capital Records has taken, and I think it's, yeah, a very curious case, but I thought it would be worth bringing up. AI rapper FM Mika is dropped by Capital Records for using offensive language. 
uh, in their songs. Yeah, we've seen earlier in the year how AI can be used in interesting ways in the songwriting process with everything, everything, obviously. But I feel like trying to kind of replace the whole, almost the whole thing with AI and then kind of throw on top this kind of Hatsune Miku, like Vocaloid style thing where it's also a, a virtual like character as well, just feels a bit odd. And especially when you don't, know the people behind it right so you said that the the artist that was actually doing the performance was was a black artist but you don't know who who's earning money off of it and who programmed it and you know it starts to get into weird territory where then if we're okay with this like where does it go next which is obviously slippery slope arguments are a bit weird but in a world where tech companies are often just the actual worst like what happens when Rupert Murdoch gets his hands on one of these things and tries to start spinning out you know information through that and kind of spreading ideas to people that way the um, other element of this is that part of the I presume it must be artwork either related to their Instagram feed or something else it is um, I presume they are AI generated depictions of police brutality um, okay but this is getting some very very dangerous lines here and also it's still a representation of something that does happen something that does affect people and something that does have a real impact on their lives that that i suppose like a really cynical view would be if it was a white rapper or if it was someone of a different race or an ethnicity or an origin would be treated differently that's not really the point to begin with the fact that it's trying to um commercialize and the fact that it's trying to uh, gain popularity and gain infamy off of these images that it decides to create. That's the whole point in my mind. And um, yeah, it's just a bit of a peculiar one. And you start to wonder like, you know, where the moral lines lie. Like you said, you know, it's a case of what are we comfortable with? And it seems very clear that Intel's taken a stand and gone, no, actually, we're not going to have this, which I'm pleased about. But I'm also wondering whether... I'm I'm wondering what we will see next time that will get this much traction and attention because I suspect AI artists are not going to go away. I suspect they're going to become their own little niche in the market, if not for the next five years, for the next 10 or 20 years um, in the way that fad trends come and go in the music industry. But yeah, it's a, it's a peculiar story. I'm pleased with the outcome, but I wonder why we got to this point in the first place. Let's get on to our review for this week. We're looking at Freak Out release by Hot Chip is the English band's eighth studio album released on the 19th of August 2022 through Domino. Uh, it clocks in at 47 minutes and 17 seconds. Let's start off with some general thoughts. James, what did you think of the record? Uh, I'm on two, two sides of the fence with this album. Like The first half for me was brilliant and I got really into it. Um, then analyzing the second half kind of has put a downer on it for me this week. Um, but yeah, I, I, the overall sound is really, really cool. You've got this funk, I mean like funkiness, but also like the, the main layer of it is synth pop, but they bring so many other elements and so many other genre to it. I think that 
the sounds of all the instruments are really good and the 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 musicality of them work really well as well it's just in the second half of this album it, it just gets a bit lame and a bit limp and there's just not enough vibrancy as the first half of it so did enjoy listening to it my first round for it just like yeah casual a casual listen is a fantastic album but then when when you've really focused on it only the first few tracks have their own signature um whereas the last few tracks i want to call them samey i'll just call them just not distinct um yeah, a, dis a bit of a disappointment for me this week. Tom, what did you think? Um, I'm a little bit indifferent to this album, I'm afraid. What I heard, I enjoyed, but none of it really captured me. Um, I could appreciate it as really nice, well-produced electronic pop, but I'm afraid there was nothing I could really grab onto. I liked the sounds that I heard, and they kind of came and went, and the sound palette shall we call it was really really nice but there was nothing which really caught me there was no story i could grab onto really that i could sense i felt it was a little bit front heavy um as well there were some really good tracks at the start but again it just felt like good tracks it didn't really feel like much of an album yeah i was a little bit indifferent to this it's not that i don't like it but it also didn't grab me enough to say i want to listen to this again i love it um yeah, so a little bit of a positive and negative. A bit of a both album. Um, yeah, I was rather indifferent to it. Didn't, wasn't massively uh, offended by it, but also didn't really get enamoured with it that much either. I'm coming at this from the perspective of a big Hot Chip fan. Um and before I go into my general thoughts, why do like music nerds on the internet keep like whenever there's kind of one of these more experienced bands comes out with a new record and people are like, oh, this is the best album since whichever one is generally considered the best. Like you don't know that on the first day. Stop. Just stop it. It's just really grinding my gears this week. It's bands like this. There were people doing it for the Band of Horses album earlier in the year. And it's it's always like like just give it time. Like a bath full of ecstasy, their last album was great, but it was a grower. Like you just need to give albums a bit of a chance. Anyway, um, this record kind of brings some new building blocks to kind of color the the hot chip sound. Hip hop feels like a big influence, particularly they're kind of going for this sampling sound. Like a lot of the time, I don't think they're actual samples. It's they're just kind of making it sound like they've they've chopped a sample. There's some kind of more electro-y sounds in there where it gets a bit heavier. And the they've kind of gone for more in the direction of kind of like that really sugary, sweet 80s synth pop like, uh, like Pet Shop Boys. And that kind of made me think of some of Alexis Taylor, who's one of the lead singers of Hot Chip, some of his solo stuff as well. For me, kind of like James, it's front-loaded. Um... The three opening tracks are the three singles they released, which probably tells you that maybe the band might agree with me or think that those are at least the catchiest songs on the record. 
Um, I think it's less consistent than their previous album, A Bath Full of Ecstasy. I think, yeah, there are a few tracks that just don't really capture anything like really different on the latter half of the record. But there are a lot of tracks here that I'd be quite happy to hear in a live set. I've been listening to a lot and I, I really enjoy. Um, so it's just kind of a a bit of a mixed bag. Um, and often I feel like the Hot Chips albums have kind of been that way where they're a kind of, they've never written that album that's really catapulted them to the kind of 10 out of 10s range, even though I think they're generally considered to be an amazing band. I'd argue that A Bath Full of Ecstasy was probably the closest they've got. Um, but this one kind of follows in that in doing something a bit different, but still being a solid lineup of tracks, even if there are a few weaker ones. Let's go a bit more in depth. Uh, the opening track's called Down, the first single released from the album. Kind of opens with this sample, potentially, but I'm not sure it's actually sampled from anywhere. I haven't checked that. Um... But I do like that that's kind of something new they're bringing in because in their early stuff, they were quite influenced by hip hop at the time. But that was, you know, almost 20 years ago now. So this is them kind of t doing a new take on it. Um, and it's a bit a bit rougher than previous or at least recent hot chip tracks where there is a bit more of an electro influence and almost like obviously nowhere near that distorted, but kind of like Mastercrafty type stuff. Yeah, I really like the way that it opened. It had this really sort of funky, light and bouncy energy, um, which was really nice. It did grab me, um, but then I wondered where it was going to go because it rose fairly quickly. That is dynamically. It kind of went to relatively loud and punchy very quickly. And I kind of thought, is this going to have a quiet moment? Um, which may have just been setting in tone for the entire album. I liked it. And again, it didn't necessarily capture me. I found it completely inoffensive. I had it on happily in the background for a long time, but also didn't really get into it that much. Yeah, this one did actually capture me and I really enjoyed the, the funkiness at the start. Um, it was kind of a, like a generic funkiness, but it, it sounded good. And then you can you get the like big fat bass that comes in. And it kind of goes more rock forward, I would say, but still has that funk essence. Um, and we we talk about this a lot on this show, I think. But it did, again, have that cheery tone, that fun tone. But also, it's a song about someone else breaking you. And yeah, it has a dep depressing tone to it. One line, you have got to need... You have got to need me because I mean nothing to me. Um, and then you have this like funky track in the background. Um, I just think it's fun. Um, yeah, it, that captured me for the, the first track for the, of the album. It's good. The next track is Eleanor. And this kind of gives you the other sound on the album, that kind of Pet Shop Boise 80s synth pop. Um, it feels maybe more camp than their previous albums because obviously they've done a lot of kind of a lot of range of synth pop in the past, but th this does have a more camp feel, I think. Um, and, and that's where it kind of draws in maybe from Alexis Taylor's solo stuff in terms of like the style of songwriting. 
Weirdly, I've got a little bit of um, Passion Pit as well. There's a little bit of that. Um, I put, it's probably just in a really bright and vibrant synth. It's got this really like happy edge to it, almost, again, like you said, slightly camp. Um, and I'm sure there was a line at the end. I can't exactly rem remember exactly what it was, um, like Marazine Dreams or Marazine Memories. And it's just like, that, Marazine's in Cornwall. That's very close to where I am. I presume this is some sort of like, road trip holiday or something where they got hideously lost yeah um they noticed that um i really enjoyed the the unique synth sounds in this and but then the, it was weird like the the keys felt fuzzy but they were also clean they're like and then you have the like wet juicy guitar um yeah, and that that worked really well together. Um, and then it kind of turned into a more poppy track when it, it was going into the pre-chorus and chorus, whereas the verses were, I don't know, more funky. Um, and it was, yeah, definitely a catchy one. Um, but, and then the vocals were quite unique as well. Um, they, it, it almost sounded like the voice was struggling, but I think it, it did give a uniqueness to the vocals, and it's something I don't think I've heard before. Next up, we have the title track. Um, I love the, I think it's a talk box vocal uh, at the start, and then there's kind of a different section at the end. Um, I felt like that really meshed well with the sound that they were going for. And I, I feel like it's used well here in the amount that it's used, but maybe I would have enjoyed it to pop up somewhere else as well, because I did really enjoy that sound. Um, there are kind of two breakdowns in the song, and I think they're both great. The first one is kind of halfway through, and you get kind of the same synth parts, but then with just kind of a slower drum beat behind it. These like slow, punchy drums. And then the second one is where it kind of breaks down to the reverby, distorted guitar, and then it kind of builds back up again to... Uh, to the outro, which is like the like a bouncy synth bass and the a new talk box part over the top, and it all comes together at the end really nicely. I think this is one of the the standout tracks that shows like this is what they were going for with this record, and it actually like really working as well as it could. Yeah, it's some kind of vocoder or some sort of talk box or something like that. Um, it could be a vocoder, but again, I'm not sure. Either way, I like it a lot. It's really, really nice. This was certainly the one that stood out to me the most. Um, and I'm not pointable about it not showing up anywhere else. I listened to this first time and I kind of went, oh, yes, yeah, but like Daft Punk, I get it. So I wonder whether that's been why it's been used really sparingly. Because it immediately made me think of, well, who's another act that I know who likes to use like sort of digitized, vocoded vocals? Oh, yeah, I know which one, um, which was interesting. But it's also got, um, I don't quite know how they've done it, whether it's a mix of reverb or some sort of like saturation or ring modulation. But it's got um, a really, it, it gave me, it really made me think about um robot wars weirdly like the original um tv program in the in the uk like the original version like back where craig charles is the host like i really like that sound and i like that sort of um timbre that it had um I, that's probably why i really latched onto this it felt nostalgic in a strange way but i liked it i did like this one a lot yeah 
Um, I feel like a normie <laughs> saying it sounds like Daft Punk, but that's what I've written down. Um, and yeah, it sounded so cool. Um, but otherwise, EQ-wise, the the bass sounded sounded so good and so satisfying. I'm not sure why, but yeah, just the bass in my headphones just like really surrounded my ears and felt really good. Um, I really enjoyed how it was it was stripped down for the verse, but when it was going to the more um, the more dynamic pieces, um, it brought in a fuzzy guitar and it really widens and opens the song up more. I really enjoyed that the duality between those two parts of the song, um, and right towards the end, there's this. I want to call it a padded synth, which the the notes are like kind of like trickling down into into the end of the song, and that was just like a really nice touch, which I just really enjoyed. The next track is Broken. I reckon this is the best non-single track. I think it's really really catchy. Like it's just it's just them doing pop writing at their best. Um, the verses are that kind of really sweet sound, but then it goes a bit more modern for the chorus. Um, and I really like that kind of vocal sampley sound um, that's kind of the response in the chorus. And it's got also the kind of triggered sample with those kind of fast triggers that add a really interesting effect to it. This was the first one where I wasn't engaged as much. It was leaning on that pop side, but it wasn't really my flavour of pop. Um, the subtle can still be fixed at the end of lines in the chorus in the left channel it was just yeah it was, it was subtle but it was there and again a nice touch as like the last track uh, but i just think overall the song is pretty weak it didn't really capture me and it didn't bring out as much as it could have and should have Weirdly, this was one that really captured me. I really liked this purely because it felt simple. The arpeggiated, I presume you call it the bass line in the back, it gave me sort of vibes of um, Robin. I was reminded of Dancing on My Own, um, which is a track that I adore anyway, partly because it's got this slightly um, twee energy about it. It feels really corny. And I think it's kind of got the same sort of thing. I don't mind a song that feels a little bit um, immature and a bit gushy and I kind of like Broken for that reason again it's got this same sort of happy camp energy that goes through it and it's got these fairly simple lyrics for the chorus and normally that would drive me bats but for some reason this works um, so I'm rather fond of this one for some reason goodness knows why but I like that. And also the weird um, sample vocals, which accompany, which sort of like to call a response to the melody line in the chorus. I like that stuff as well. It just captured me. And I just thought, normally I hate this stuff, but for some reason today, didn't mind. The next track is Not Alone. Um, this is another one I thought was really strong. It's kind of a softer track. Um it reminds me of uh, Joe Goddard, who's one of the members of Hot Chip. On his solo album, uh, he had a track called Electric Lines that Alexis Taylor, one of the other members of Hot Chip, did the vocal for. And this really feels like they're kind of doing that sound again, which I really like because I loved that track. Um, it also kind of mixes some social commentary into the 
their kind of mostly typical pop lyrics, uh, where they're kind of talking about male role, they're talking about male role models letting people down, and um, that kind of made it feel like they're maybe trying to tap into something a bit more modern with this album. Yeah, this one, it again, it feels pretty weak again. Um, it was wispy, but not in the way I like. It felt limp and just, it hasn't eaten for 10 days. So, yeah, not the one for me. I mean, it's not quite how I would describe it. I mean, I was going to say, like, you know, if the last track was giving me vibes of Robin, this is giving me mild vibes of Owl City. So, mildly inconsistent to say the least. Uh, I was, I was, I was not a fan of Owl City uh, at school. Believe me. Um, yeah, it's weirdly this the exact opposite. Where again, broken felt twee, and it felt very um, childlike because it was. This felt twee and childlike because it felt very unprofessional. It felt sort of like um what was what what did it remind me of imagine if you were like a time lapse on youtube of like i don't know building like an mtv crib or something it had those kind of vibes about it it felt kind of cheap and nasty and it just kind of made me feel like someone hasn't put a lot of production quality into this not because it's a bad song i think it's really nicely produced and all the sounds are really nice but i think they sound cheap this is not a song that i got along with well at all really up next we've got hard to be funky this was the first why i thought as a weaker track on the album i think feel like the chorus is strong but the verses are quite long and they just i don't feel like they have enough momentum to kind of keep me engaged up to the the point where the choruses come in this is this is a strange one because you get this it has that funk tone as we got in the first few tracks and in some other tracks, but it was, it was much slower and lyrically and well, the sound of it in general as well. It just felt a bit strange. It also felt really restricted. I was saying in the previous track that it opened up in the chorus, but in this track, it just didn't open up at all. It, yeah, it felt really restricted. And then the female vocals towards the end, I mean, I wish I could say they did something for the track, but they did nothing for me, not for this track. Yeah, it's very dry the way it's been mixed. There's barely any reverb on the vocals. There's barely any reverb anywhere apart from on like a couple of synth lines in the back. So even the chorus is like really on the nose. It's really tight and it's really punchy. I think that's for effect, but also it does feel quite sparse. I think that works quite nicely in the chorus section. I don't know whether it works so nicely in the verse sections at the beginning. And yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's again, it's mixed well, but it doesn't quite sit right. And I think the fact that it sits so differently and it feels so different to the other tracks you've heard so far it's a culture shock shall we say it's a bit of a in, in so many words it's a track that kind of surprises you because it feels distinctly different to what came before but it's not like it's an acoustic track or it's some sort of introspective thing it's just uh, got a very different energy about it 
The next track is Time. Uh, this is kind of, again, one of the strongest, I think, non-single tracks on the record. It's got a more dancey beat to it. Uh, when the drums start to come in, there are kind of these clock sounds. So they've really gone all out to make it kind of all kind of focused around this theme of time. Um, I always really love when it's both Joe Goddard and Alexis Taylor doing vocals on a track because their voices just feel like they're meant to be kind of together. They really complement each other in nice ways. And this track, with the more dancey feel, I felt like it harkened kind of back to a bath full of ecstasy um, and that the kind of more dancey, euphoric sound of that record. Um, and obviously I enjoyed that one, so it was kind of nice to have kind of a fusion of that with the sound of this album here. Um, this felt more... I felt more um, engaged in this track, more inquisitive, I put. Um, I think it does well to set a mood and a picture. And it's just one of those tracks that, yeah, it, it gives you a picture in your head. I was thinking of like a running through a forest or something like that. Um and I really like the line, we're out of love just in time, when you're expecting we're out of, um, we're out of time. Um, but then it turns into this pop hit in the chorus. But this time, I think the poppiness works really, really well. Um, and this might be one of the gems for me in the second half of the album. Um, yeah, it hit the pop spot that i enjoy yeah it's got really simple drum pattern in the back which is so driving it feels like a really classic club track um which is really fun it's really really nice and it feels uh, it, it, again it stands a, slightly apart from what came before and again there's more space in this one than there was in the first half which I think does it really, really nicely. There are times on the pre-chorus where you've got space to breathe before the drums come back in and it gets going again. So this was a track that I enjoyed a bit more. But again, for some reason, even though I enjoyed this more than the others, it didn't... I don't know. It didn't have that zing. It didn't have that X factor that made me think this is an album I want to go back to. It was just an album that I enjoyed. The next track is Miss the Bliss. Um... This one had some interesting parts to it. There was kind of this dreamy piano with a delay on it. Uh, Joe Goddard had some of his vocals auto-tuned, which I don't think I've heard before. But overall, it just didn't quite capture me the same as some of the other tracks. Yeah, the, the vocals have this effect on them again. Um, uh, right at the start, but then it turns out to be more natural. And I do feel like the natural... The way the voice is natural in this one, it works really well. Um, but then again in the chorus, there's this effect again. What I felt about this song is that it really felt I'm really uh, cinematic. And I don't know what that is. Maybe it's the nature sound at the start. Or maybe it's just how, how the song flowed from one part to the other. But despite me not having actual like specific things to say about this song, I did enjoy it just because of the, how it felt cinematic um, and how it felt like it was keep on, keeping on moving. 
yeah, weirdly, this was a track that did some things that normally I don't like in pop music and electronic music, but it did them in the way that was really appealing. So I think there was some vocal processing or auto-tuning going on from like about a minute 30 onwards with some of the lead vocals. And it was really, really nice. It's quite prominent towards the end. It's kind of reminiscent of... I'm trying to think of acts I know that have done it. Um, Japanese Breakfast seems to remember have done it before uh, on Soft Sounds from Another Planet. Um, it's a Kanye trick. Kanye West has done it in a few tracks. But this feels really elegant. And the way they've uh, jumped between notes is quite a nice organic way of doing it. And it's still got this lovely electronic tinge to it. Um, and even in spite of that, again, it was a track that I felt lacked a certain amount of dynamics and it lacked a certain amount of energy which I wanted it to have and again I just can't can't quite put my finger on it I like the little piano ditty that follows the vocal lines I like the bass line I like the drums but it just didn't have that wow factor for me it was just a nice track it was nothing more going towards the end of the album we've got the evil that men do here I like kind of the snappy syncopated drums. There's kind of like an, a little blippy synth kind of in the first section. The structure seems to be aiming more towards kind of a, a hip-hop type track with kind of less big synth-pop moments. And I like in some ways how that works because in the, in the feature section you get... Um, Kind of the instrumental really changes up. It does different things. Like it's really showing off how great at writing songs these guys are and how much thought and time and effort they put into writing each of these tracks. But I just felt like I wanted an, an energetic kind of hot chip focus section with Alexis Taylor doing vocals to go kind of along with it, to contrast it. Because I f feel like for me, uh, I just kind of feel like I want to get to that um get to that feature and the kind of surrounding stuff while there's some interesting stuff in there it's just not high energy enough for me the start of the song doesn't bring me in doesn't capture me um and the singing in general is just not my thing and that that's the case for most of the track until the rapping comes in i think it just works so well in the midst of things um, it really grabs your attention. Uh, it it freshens up the whole album, I think, to have that uh, that small difference in the small shift in genre. Really, I think I think it's enough to say that. Um, maybe we we could have had this like in other parts of the song. This is a feature, so sometimes you. Well, a lot of the time you don't get the same feature from multiple tracks. So maybe that's why, but I I think the the two two artists really melded well together. Um and it's just something I really enjoyed. Yeah, weirdly this was one I didn't like so much. Um 
it felt a little bit what's the right word for it it felt like two songs almost mashed together um i didn't think it quite melded i like the softer gentler stuff at the beginning and i thought it was a really nice palette cleanser and then i wondered why it was then paired with the rap section afterwards it's not necessarily bad i like them both the same but i wonder why they were brought together in the first place presumably because they were recorded in the same session but yeah, I kind of wonder if they would have worked better if they were two shorter tracks, one after the other, and whether I might have thought about them a little bit differently or whatever. And even then, the it's interesting because the rap session comes in really late, like you said. There's this very staccato, um, almost vaudeville-esque piano line that leads in just before that rap section i just thought this track doesn't quite know where it's going or what it wants to be um yeah i wasn't so keen on this one i'm afraid yeah maybe it could have been two separate tracks like it is very jarring at that rap bit it's just it just changes quickly but hey the penultimate tracks guilty I felt like this song was closer in sound to the tracks on the first half. It's kind of well-written, but it just didn't do enough to stand out for me, especially going back to kind of that previous sound. I think that's something we've talked about in the show quite a bit in the past, about kind of how sequencing of an album can affect how you feel about different songs. And for me, I this one just maybe didn't have enough going on to be in this position doing this sound. Yeah, it's kind of the same. It's got the same sort of energy as Broken, but again, it's just not very remarkable. The The thing with albums like this, and again, to come back to a couple of albums I've really enjoyed this year, take um, Steve Lacey or take uh, Let's See Grandma as examples, I like the fact that they established a very clear genre and then decided to play with it and completely mess with it and go, actually, no, we're not an electronic album. We're not a um, we're not a sort of Eurythmics-based pop duo. That's not really us. We're actually just nostalgic 90s kids and we could do like... Uh, we, we, we can do like teen drama theme tunes and we can do like acoustic stuff as well. I wonder where that genre shift is and where that complete left turn is. And I wonder if that's the reason why I'm not so keen on this album. And the final track is called Out of My Depth. Um, the intro kind of gave me um, Snow Patrol vibes of kind of like Eyes Open era stuff. Like um, Weather Climate, is that the track? And some of the kind of... Uh, quieter stuff on on that record it kind of offers this slow build which i liked as a kind of structure for the outro and also you get kind of sounds all stacked up on the downbeat when it does build up more so it, it kind of has this kind of strong like driving rhythm to it and not just in the drums but in kind of everything else that's it's all giving that that downbeat I feel like Out of My Depth is similar to Guilty in the way that it's pleasing, but sonically pleasing, but what else is there? I mean, yeah, that's good for a song, but it just, it just doesn't have enough, I guess. 
Um, and on top of that, the lyrics, the lyrics and the way the vocals were um, entertained, they they felt really squeezed in, and they sound sounded really forced. I just feel like <laughs> redo the lyrics entirely, or just don't have them at all. It just it didn't feel right. It feels like something I would write, and that's not saying that's not a good thing. Um, yeah, it just doesn't provide much for the for the album. It's it's a very disjointed finish. That's the thing. It feels like it's a little bit like Symphony, where there are a few different movements there, and they're all kind of related, but they're not really. And again, it is something where like the uh, the Evil at Mandu did the same thing. We had like two or three distinct sections, which were one song. I like this one because it had a sort of ELO Coldplay-ish energy about it, and this felt like the closing track of any of the other tracks we heard, which makes sense. It is at the end of the album. And I did quite enjoy it because it has a very different... I don't know, conclusion, message to the other albums. I like the fact that there are harmonized vocals in there. I like the fact that there's this strange staccato, um, phasery keyboard in there. I like the fact that there are these string sections which kind of crescendo into nothingness and then fade away for another synth to come in. So I really liked it and it felt a bit weird and a bit different. And I liked that, but I kind of was left thinking, so where was this energy for the rest of it? You know, where was this, um, not courage, but where was this playfulness beforehand? Because though the album is very, very upbeat and it's very, it's slightly ridiculous and it's slightly um, too optimistic. I don't know. It didn't feel very playful. It felt like it was kind of playing safe. Maybe that's me being hypercritical now that I've said I'm not massively keen on it. But yeah, I did like this track, but I kind of just, it was a wrong way to end because I kind of thought, so where was that earlier? Right, so now it's time to ask the all-important question. Should our listeners check this album out? Tom? No is the answer, I'm afraid. James? I do think it's a good listen. I think sonically it's just really enjoyable. Like, just general sound of it is really fun and playful. Um, I think it has its hits, it has its misses, but yeah, I think some of those misses that I dislike, I think it's easy for other people to like. So I would say, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and listen. I would say that this is probably worth checking out if either you're looking for kind of an electro-y, like bigger record that's got kind of some, some oomph behind it. I think some of the, particularly some of the big singles are going to really fit that that want. But if you're just kind of generally looking for a synth pop record and you're not already a Hot Chip fan, I'd go and check out one of the, their other albums first. I'd recommend In Our Heads. Um, I'd recommend The Warning. I mean, all of that, pretty much all of their albums are great. A Bath Full of Ecstasy as well. Those are kind of the, my top three. And if you are a Hot Chip fan, I'd say that this is definitely worth checking out. Like there are plenty of great songs here. Uh, I think I said earlier, like I'll be happy for them to kind of slot these into 
into set lists in in live shows because I think they'll really be great in that setting as well. Okay, so that was Hot Chip's new album, Freak Out Release. The all-important question, where do we want to put it in the rankings? It's getting longer and longer all the time. We've got 31 albums there at the moment. Freak Out Release will be the 32nd entry into the list. As always, it will be in the uh, episode description for you to see, and it will also include the results of where we put it in today's rankings. So where do we want to put it? Any general thoughts? Personally... It's quite tough for me. I think either I'd put it just above Wet Leg. Cause I, that DC Gore album, while it's not perfect, I feel like it... Mm, I don't know. For me, I reckon it could go anywhere kind of between below Maggie Rogers and above Fresh. I feel like anywhere in there kind of with others... There are other synth pop records in there. Um... Not sure, but I feel like if it goes higher up in that, I'm definitely relying on my love of hot chip to kind of give it that extra edge on kind of after a week of listening, I reckon. Maybe just below Naomi Alligator, but that could well change over the course of the year. I'm... Again, in a slight predicament, because the fact that I didn't like it that much means that it falls quite far down the list, because I did really enjoy the stuff that is up the list, um, which is kind of an obvious thing to say, but I think it's also true. There's lots of stuff that I liked, and this, whilst it's not a bad album, was not as good as that. And I must be looking around... I, I don't know, like... It's bottom half, but I don't know where it is in bottom half. Yeah, for me, um, if this, if the album was just full of tracks at the same quality of the first, second, and third track, then no word of the lie, I would possibly think about putting it top five. But there's also tracks that are like at level of fifteen in the middle of our rankings. But there's also tracks down near our sweatshirt which is near the bottom so that's why i struggle with this and i think there's more of those tracks which are near the bottom in the album and i think our last album i did just enjoy that last week's album more so i think this is definitely going to have to go below that which is below maggie rogers which is um which is 18th right now um then to give a specific number maybe i would put it uh i don't know <laughs> i think i might put it at number number 21 maybe that's just below wet leg so well you're saying below Naomi alligator that's interesting cuz I'm comparing this stuff like grocers and I'm going, well, I preferred it to that. And then, well, bless Jack Francis, an album which I adore is down at 22 and I definitely didn't prefer it to that. So I wonder whether that's where we start about 20, what do we think, 25? Start at 25? Right, so in that case, let's start at number 25. Does it go above Numbers Game by Grocers? 
Yes. Yes. Well, I wish Grocer was <laughs> further up, but yes, it goes above Grocer. I, I also wish the Grocers were further up. Should be at number one, really, let's be honest. Uh, does it go above uh, Ray's Hell by Fresh? Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, I think it does. Mm, now, does it go above Naomi Alligator? No, I'd leave it there. I'm going to say yes. And then does it go above Jack Francis? This is the difficult one for me. This is where I say no. So there we go. Freak Out Release by Hot Chip is in at number 23 in our rankings. Right, let's get on to upcoming releases then. Only a few bits to uh, listen to out fresh this week that I found. First up, George Fitzgerald is releasing a new album called Stellar Drifting. Tudor Cinema Club are releasing their new album, Keep On Smiling. I haven't been particularly impressed by the singles, but I'm always hopeful that they'll come out with a great record. And finally, the Amazons are releasing their new album, How Will I Know If Heaven Will Find Me. That's it for upcoming release, and that's it for the show. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, you should subscribe on your podcast service of choice. You can hear more from us by following us on Twitter at Unmuted Weekly or on Instagram at Unmuted Unmastered. You can get in touch with us by emailing us at unmutedunmastered at gmail.com. And I can announce that the album for next week is going to be Tired of Liberty by The Lounge Society. <laughs> <laughs>